Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with you with my good buddy, Rich Hill. After a wild first couple days of free agency, things have settled down a little bit, which gives us time to take a breath reassess and see what's going on rich since there was so much happening last time we spoke i didn't really ask it was impolite of me how are you um how dare you second of all <laughs> i'm doing well how are you doing alec Rick, i'm good man it's springtime there's stuff going on i have finally managed to reset my my roster and realize who's on the team and who's not i felt like so much happened the last week or so i didn't i, I kind of lost track of some guys so I'm glad the Patriots took a couple steps back in the last couple of days and gave us a shot to, to really kind of dive in here. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, you look at how much they had done in the initial few days. It's hard to keep track of what happened in the initial 24 hours of, like, the tampering period and then what's happened in the week since. Um, but I, I think the big news of the Patriots fandom is the retirement of Patrick Chung, uh, a second-round pick from the Patriots back in 2009. Uh, Chung has spent almost every single season of his career with the Patriots. He had a one-year stint with the Philadelphia Eagles. He has the distinction of being the only player in NFL history to go to the playoffs in each of his first 11 seasons in the NFL. Uh, Alec, what are your thoughts on Chung's retirement? Yeah, I think Chung might be the most, if not maybe one of the most, underrated Patriots in the past okay, 15 years or so. I, to my knowledge, and maybe I'll, you're the historian here, Rich, but I think he's kind of the the OG of that kind of hybrid linebacker safety DB role that became a, a staple of the Bill Belichick defense. And he's also set the trend of people leaving the Patriots, not playing as well, and then coming back and dominating. And he was a really important player. He was a thumper over the middle. He was great in coverage on tight ends and mobile running backs. He's one of those players I think they're trying to replace with Kyle Duggar. Hopefully that goes well. But uh, I think when I look back on, on the Patriots of the 2010, it'll be very hard to tell their story without Patrick Chung. Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I think that uh, they eventually have their long-term replacement with Adrian Phillips. I think he filled in admirably last year. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Kyle Duggar, including Jalen Mills in there. There's a lot of players that the Patriots have been utilizing to try and replace Chung because he has been such an important part of this defense. And I will continually and have continually said this about Chung's role in the Patriots defense. He's not and has not ever been the best player 
on this defense, not even close to the best player in the secondary. And honestly, since his return to the Patriots in 2014, he hasn't even been the top two player in the secondary, right? I would give that distinction to Devin McCourty consistently, and then whoever the top cornerback was, whether it was Darrell Revis, Malcolm Butler, Stephon Gilmore, whoever it is, those have been the top two players in the secondary. So where Chung falls in the, the ranking of Patriots defenders from a skill perspective is not in the not not towards the top. He's just smack dab in the middle. But I will continue to say that Chung is the reason why the Patriots have been able to do what they've been able to do on defense, and that's just dominate. They are the number one team in the NFL in points allowed since Patrick Chung's return in 2014, and that's because he offers them such flexibility that as the league continues to become more of a passing-focused league, his flexibility with being able to step in at linebacker against the run, be able to cover tight ends and running backs and even slot receivers, uh, and also just dropping back at safety made him such an invaluable part of this New England secondary that without him, there's no way the Patriots would have been able to be as successful as they've been. Absolutely. And again, he really was a, a pioneer of that, that that hybrid linebacker safety that we now see so much uh, in the Belichick scheme. Never the guy that's going to turn a lot of heads. I think you'll we'll always remember that, that month. I think it was a Monday night game against Miami where he had a pick six and a blocked field goal and about seven tackles uh, and earned the, uh, the defensive player of the week that week. But he's just one of those guys. Is, he's kind of like an offensive lineman and that he's just rock solid. No one really knows he's doing his job because he's doing it so well. And you know when something needs to happen, he's going to be there and he's going to be one of the guys in on it. Uh, speaking of offensive linemen, Welcome back, David Andrews, a huge signing. I think we'd all pretty much resigned ourselves to him testing free agent market and, and going elsewhere after they brought back Ted Karras. Figured Karras would be the center going forward and Andrews would be departing. But another member of the all 2010 decade team, I'm really happy with the Andrews signing. Sad to see Joe Tooney go. We all knew that was coming. But with Andrews back under center, I think this is the the more one of the more elite O line units in the NFL. Oh, totally, and I, I think that they've set themselves up well to have the necessary depth this year. Um, I, I think that with both Andrews and Karras on the interior, they have their top four interior linemen. Karras can play all three interior lineman spots. They're set at the tackle position with Wynn and Trent Brown, uh, Heron as a top backup, and then whichever of uh, Cunningham and Cahuste, like are able to be that top right tackle option. I mean, they are set from a depth perspective here. They have a really high ceiling. Uh, in a really high floor, for that matter, uh, with this offensive line. I could see them adding you know, one more developmental player on the interior just because they like to carry nine or ten offensive linemen in a given year. Um, but I, I think that the return of Andrews uh, on a multi-year contract, a huge bargain of a contract, I might add, a four-year contract, he's getting you know peanuts relative to what you would expect him to get on the open field. He is a top five, top ten center in any given year, and I know that he's dealt with medical issues um, in the past that could affect his future in the NFL, but the fact of the matter is that when he's on the field, he's one of the top players in the league, and they're paying him backup money i mean like he he's getting maybe a million and a half more than karis um and karis is on a one-year incentive heavy deal and so andrews is a huge bargain he wanted to stay with new england uh you know he tested the market he came back and you know both sides seem to be happy with this outcome and this just really means that for you know cam newton or whichever player is under center of moving forward they'll at least have a rock solid place with onlenu andrews and mason uh just manning the interior line for the next few years yeah, and then Trent Brown and Isaiah Wynn on the outside. I think that is a very solid line. 
And I think Cam Newton or whoever's under center is very happy to have that. And hopefully that'll draw some more quarterback interest. We'll talk about me a little later on in the podcast. But there's some more signings I want to touch on touch base with you on, Rich. Um, one of which is like a signing and a release, I guess we can call it. They brought back Nick Folk, which I'm Ooh. very happy about. Probably the most reliable kicker in the NFL last year, or not one of them. My arguable MVP of the of the season last year. Psyched about that signing. But that also means they parted ways with fifth round draft pick, I believe, Justin Rohrwasser. Yep. Um, I think you and I talked about this when they, they they first drafted him. And this is prior to the kind of tattoo controversy that came out. I don't get back into that at this point. But that just definitely not – I'm not going to call him the, the biggest bust of the Belichick era because uh, <laughs> there's there's bigger bust out there. But it might be the most confusing pick yeah. Bill Belichick ever made. It's just like, why? And what was the point of it? Totally. I mean, like when you look at who were the top kickers in the draft – Rohrwasser was not towards the top at all. You know, you had your Tyler Bass and uh, uh, the, the player that went to the Colts, uh, Rodrigo. And it's like, okay, why would you take this guy in the fifth round when he wasn't even expected to be drafted? I know that, like, you secure your players in those later rounds when you can and you want to. But, like, he wasn't, like, necessarily a notable kicker. Um, and you, you look at uh, just the fact of uh, – why? Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? Like, <laughs> there's just so many other options, and for the 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 reason of them releasing him makes sense. They have Roberto Aguayo that they have um, that they signed to a futures contract earlier in the off season, and you know he has more upside uh, than uh, Rohrwasser. And you look at how a lot of young kickers in the league that you know had a lot of potential coming out. And then they, they had some rookie jitters and then they settled down and have long careers. I wouldn't be surprised if Aguayo was that one. And you know what? New England gets to have a good look at it. So I, I think that they are well prepared for that position. It just didn't seem like Roar Wasser. Uh, he was a weird pick on the onset. He never really had a chance. And then he was just kind of gone. And, uh, you know, if it was any other position, I don't think anyone would really think too much about it. If they, you know, released a fifth round pick at a, you know, on the defensive line one year after drafting, it would be like, ah, all right, whatever. But the fact that it was a kicker in a year where there was like a lot of good quality kickers in the draft, that's what always makes it weird. Totally. Yeah. Any kind of specialty position, uh, just you're not gonna, you're not gonna think it the same way as you would some kind of random. And a fifth round pick's a fifth round pick. Those guys come and go all the time, but just it'll, I guess he'll be an interesting footnote for for pub trivia one of those like 10 years from now who's the kicker that got drafted in the fifth round by the Patriots that never even saw a snap and that's <laughs> Justin Rohrwasser um I think those are the the main moves that have happened since you and I last spoke Rich because again there's so much happened early on they also brought back Kyle Van Noy which I'm very excited yes. about uh, I think that's a great re-signing kind of speaking of Patrick Chung he Van Noy is the next the latest Patriot to kind of go somewhere else I think he was fine with the Dolphins, I don't think he had a, a, a bad season. Yeah, obviously with Brian, Brian Flores, he knew how to play him. But, you know, he didn't quite have the production level he had with New England. And I think with Van Noy coming back, with Dante Hightower coming back, with the new signing from Baltimore, Jonu, uh, I think they've got a really solid linebacking core now. Oh, I totally agree. And I get the thing with Van Noy is that uh, the Dolphins had a younger player that they drafted that had emerged and was giving him similar production to Van Noy. And Van Noy was costing them, you know, seven times as much just because he was on a veteran deal. And so the Dolphins were like, all right, well, we don't really need to be able to pay you this if we have Van Ginkle giving us this sort of production. Um 
And so you have Kyle Van Noy now back with the Patriots. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think he gives them a lot of balance. I want to throw in Raekwon McMillan, who's another player that the Patriots brought in uh, to their linebacker core. He's an off-ball linebacker. He has the Bill Belichick prototypical size. Uh, he, he's definitely more of a run stuffer. He's not a good guy in coverage. Um, but, like, you add in McMillan, you have both, you know, Van Noy, Judon, the return of Dietrich Wise, the hopeful development of Uche and uh, Jennings and fingers crossed they'll figure out how to use Winovich I mean like he's great when they let him go after the quarterback they just didn't seem to want to let him do that I don't know why um but you have so much talent in this room that is just so different than just the Darth of talent they had last year that yet you have to just expect that they'll figure it out and um you know add in uh Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar this is a very talented group. Uh, I didn't have even mentioned Juwan Bentley. Like, this is a very talented group uh, that, like, for a team that was so bad against the run last year, they're uh, they have to improve. They have to, and it's, it's interesting all the talent they now have. It's like an interestingly embarrassing of riches. Uh, if you had to guess right now, Rich, as of as of late March, with the whole off season still to go, who's your who are your starting linebackers come day one in September? Is is it Bentley, Hightower, Judon, and then you kind of shop in Uche and Van Noy for like the passing downs or the running downs? Like, well, who are your starting linebackers right now? Yeah, well, I mean, you think of how the Patriots utilize their defensive front. They kind of have like a 2-2-2 front. Two defensive linemen, two edge players, and two off-ball guys. Uh, if you if you look at who's going to be on the edge, my money will be on Judon and Van Noy. Uh, I think that they're great compliments. They're good at putting pressure on the edge. Uh, they can be your effective outside linebackers, but not be a liability in coverage if they get exposed by the running back. So I would expect those two to be the guys on the edge, with uh, Winovich and Wise being the top backups. Uh, off ball, I would expect Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley to be the starters, but I wouldn't be surprised if Uche supplanted Bentley at some point during the year just because he has a little bit more athleticism, uh, and, and I think it kind of feels inevitable that he'll be able to take that spot. Um, and then you'll have Anthony Jennings behind Hightower in the depth chart. But I, I think that you have some flexibility with the young players on where they start, but I think New England will definitely lean on their veterans with Hightower, Judon, and Van Noy covering three of the four spots. Which is a good problem to have. And again, Belichick's defenses are always so versatile week in, week out. I think they, they play a lot of big nickel. Uh, there's, there's a lot they do with their linebackers, and they demand a lot out of their linebackers. So and I re I'm really glad you also brought up in this conversation Phillips and, and Duggar, because I would lump those guys in with the linebacker room because they're going to have a lot of responsibility under those under those circumstances. Uh, other side of the ball, again, we talked about it last time, about the receivers. They're brought, guys they brought in, brought in Aguilar, brought in Kendrick Bourne. They brought in Joni Smith and Hunter Henry, obviously, as the tight ends. They still have a receiver out there that I am hearing rumors about, and I'd love your take on it, uh, Rich Hill, and that is first-round draft pick slash draft bust, mm. Nikhil Harry. Mm. Uh, I, I I don't know. I can, I, I've been kind of holding off the, the bust status on him for a while. It's his third year. Last year was kind of weird. But, I mean, the bottom line is he isn't and hasn't produced the way that you expect a first-round receiver to produce, especially when you look at other people in his draft class and what they're doing at this stage in their NFL career. Uh, I've heard that the Washington football team is among a couple squads that are interested in Nikhil Harry, and the Patriots are asking for at least a fourth-round pick for him. What are the odds of Nikhil Harry getting traded, do you think? And are the Patriots done making moves at receiver, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I imagine that Harry would get traded if he does closer towards the draft. Um, you know, there's still a lot of good veteran players available. 
uh, you know, thinking of like the T.Y. Hilton, Sammy Watkin level players. So like good wide receiver twos at this stage in their careers, um, possibly like high end wide receiver threes. And so is it worth signing those veterans over acquiring Harry? I think some more dust has to settle. I personally don't want to use the bust label necessarily on Harry because I feel like the Patriots do such a weird thing with uh, asking their young players and how they set them up to succeed because it always seems like the Patriots expect their receivers to be able to beat the defenders uh, just kind of like one-on-one with their options and like their decision-making as opposed to using scheme as much as some other teams do to you know get some free breaks out of a trips formation or to use some more motion uh just to get them like a full head of steam because harry's big calling card was like yards after the catch when he was in college his ability was he was like a big guy outside and it felt like they've been using him as like a jump ball guy or just like get him the opportunity by the sidelines and like he's just not getting the separation he wasn't getting it in college and it just doesn't seem like the right utilization for him i think that he could succeed if he's moved more into the slot as a big slot guy you know thinking of like the marquise colson's of the world um but i I think that with harry i would expect him to get traded i doubt he would get a fourth round pick um I, i i would expect it to be like a conditional future sixth you know something of that level just because uh he doesn't have a lot to show for with his NFL career at this point in time. Uh, you know, he does have two years left on his rookie contract and then a fifth year option. But I, I think that it would be for the best if Harry started with a different team, because looking up and down the depth chart, you have Edelman coming back. Sure. Uh, who knows how much longer I, I wouldn't say that he would be the reason you would move on from someone else due to Edelman's age, but you have Myers, you have Kendrick Bourne. Those are two players that I kind of expect uh, throwing in Nelson Aguilar on this effective one year deal. Those are the guys that'll join Edelman as your top four. I have a hard time seeing Harry out there unless it's like in a pure blocking role. You have your two starting tight ends now uh, with Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. There just doesn't seem like there's room for Harry in this offense. I agree, particularly with the tight end room being what it is and the running back room being what it is. I still think very much the Patriots of 2021 are going to be a run-first offense. They utilize a lot of play action and tight end screens and whatnot uh, with Cam Newton, if he's a starter, as that mobile quarterback. So I think receiver will be a very interesting position to to monitor in the coming weeks and months with the draft and otherwise. Like you said, there's still some pretty decent players out there that are available in free agency. Uh, you said you mentioned uh, T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Danny Amendola is still out there. I think Willie Sneed is still available. Uh, Kenny Stills is still available. So there are some guys that are talented, not, you know, world beaters, but would they fit into this offense? Absolutely. Um, speaking of receivers, though, Rich, I'm going to kind of transition very poorly into receiving running backs because James White is still a free agent. They have not re-signed him. I imagine they're going to they, – they, they talked about sniffing around Leonard Fournette and they want to bring a running back back into the fold to expand the backfield. They have Damien Harris, who's probably the number one guy. Sony Michelle still is under his rookie contract. They're pretty well ensconced. However, they don't really have a, a receiving kind of third down back yet. I know Deion Lewis is out there in addition to James White. You see the Patriots making some moves uh, and signing a running back soon, or are they going to wait for the draft for that, do you think? Um, that's a great question. I could see them uh, kind of doing it both ways, to be quite honest. Uh, the Patriots like to have four running backs on the, the roster uh, that have like a lot of talent. Uh, and technically, I'm, I'm including Brandon Bird in the special teams room. So you have uh, Damian Harris, you have Sony Michelle, J.J. Taylor. 
is now your, your number three running back, I guess you would say, with James White as a free agent. Uh, Rex Burkhead's a free agent. So I would say that the Patriots can and should bring in another veteran and then bring in a mid-round pick. Um, there's a player that I would love to see. I would love to see Duke Johnson coming in with the Patriots. Um, I, I personally, I want James White to go sign with Tampa. I want him to go down to Florida. I, I think that he should be closer to his family. Uh, I, I, you know, he had such uh, a horrendous uh, year with his, like just misfortune with his family. And uh, just, I, I think that it would be better for him to be by his family right now down in Florida. And, and I think that the Patriots would be very thrilled for him to have that opportunity. And so for Duke Johnson to be a very good receiving back who had spent time with Bill O'Brien uh, in the, uh, Texas with the Houston's, uh, sorry, in Houston with the Texans, um, <laughs> I, I think that he, he would bring the same skill set that the Patriots like out of that position um, and, and could slip right into that role with some additional running upside. Um, and then there's always like that moonshot signing of, you know, Le'Veon Bell. I feel like that would be such a Bill Belichick move to bring in. Bell can stick it to the, the Jets who gave up on him. Um, he could do it all. Uh, I, I think that he was one of the best players in the league, and I, I don't think that it's like completely gone. So I'd be interested to see uh, what happens there. Speaking of Le'Veon, I believe LaShawn McCoy is also a free agent. Uh, he's, 30, <laughs> he's 33, a little older, but he was also a, a great receiving back. He might be a little past his prime, but another kind of reclamation project. I also believe, I don't think it's going to happen, but I also think that Frank Gore could get to retire at the ripe age of 38. Um, so, uh, again, I don't see that happening, but but good for Frank Gore. What a legend that guy is. Hopefully, he maybe bring, bring him down to Tampa as well, get him a ring. Him and Larry Fitzgerald can go down to Tampa with Tom Brady, and you can get them one more ring. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I think you're right. Uh, I would hate to see James White go, but Tampa is a really good fit for him. But I do think they're going to need that receiving back you know third down back has been a huge part of the Belichick offense since Kevin Falk and if you are a run heavy team and you work out of a lot of play action uh, having a back that can catch the ball is pretty crucial to make that offense go so I know there are some options in the draft and you really don't need to invest a very high draft pick on a running back unless it's one of those kind of Adrian Peterson Saquon Barkley style monsters you're gonna have to get early but the pages are not in that position you can probably get a guy that can be the James White on day two or day three. So I'll be looking forward to watching for that. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that the Patriots have the flexibility. I think that if there's anything that stands out for how they've approached this initial part of free agency, <laughs> it's that they don't really have any gaps anywhere. Like if they were to start the season right now, obviously their ceiling is as good as Cam Newton is able to perform with actually having offensive skill talent around him. Um, and so like whatever that looks like uh, will be as far as the Patriots go. But you look at the offensive line, the tight ends, the wide receivers, the running backs, uh, you know, defensive line, edge players, cornerbacks, linebackers, safety, all of those seem pretty set from a depth chart position. There's definitely room where they can improve. I think they could add in another good wide receiver if they wanted to. They could add in depth at running back. I think that bringing back a player like Lawrence Guy would be fantastic for this defensive line, and I wouldn't be surprised if that ultimately happens. Uh, he still remains available. Um, but, like, the Patriots enter the draft with just some serious flexibility where they can consolidate picks because they've brought in a lot of players they can consolidate picks to move up the draft board dare i say and get a quarterback of the future that can be set up well with a lot of players on long-term contracts I, I think that the patriots have just done a very very exceptionally good job of bringing in talent making sure that they have no holes everywhere making sure that all facets of the game offense defense and special teams are taken care of 
and they're still in good position from a salary cap standpoint. That's really the key, isn't it? The salary cap standpoint, they're still like 20 million under the cap right now, which is pretty amazing. People get people love to get angry when they hear how many years or how many dollars player gets. But the way the Patriots structured their contracts, the incentives they did and how they backloaded a lot of the deals, really, really smart and set this team up as a as a new core for, I guess, 2020 and beyond the next decade of hopefully Patriots dominance. Uh, Rich, we're about a, uh, maybe a couple weeks away from the draft. There's not a whole lot to, to talk about in terms of massive signings. That's all kind of been done. So between now and the draft, what will you be watching out for and what do you hope happens to the Patriots team? Yeah, I mean, I'll be watching out for some more releases or any changes that they do from the back end of the roster. You know, they've released Cash Maluia, uh, Jared Pinckney as well, two linebackers. So it, that, to me, uh, signals that they're not fully committed to not bringing in players in the draft. But looking as they approach the draft, how many available roster spots do they still have, right? You, you look at who is on the team, including a lot of players that are on the bubble, but like might be there they have technically 75 players on the active roster that means that they have 15 slots left so factor in how many undrafted free agents do the patriots bring in how many draft picks do they have uh you know jc jackson is technically not counted on that and he's likely to return so like the all all of those limitations point to what the patriots might be willing to do with their draft capital or you know are they going to trade players currently on the roster to make additional space and so I think that the the Patriots have the ability to bring in some of these second tier veterans that are still available on the market to plug up some of the vacancies or like room for improvement positions on the roster. But I, I think that there's not a need to do it. And so the Patriots are in a comfortable spot where they can kind of just sit and wait. And if some of, you know, these 30 veteran cornerbacks are still available like the week before the draft. They could probably get a couple of them for a very good deal uh, if they wanted to bolster up the roster. Bringing in a veteran cornerback, spoken like a man who's never watched the Patriots draft, Rich. They're going to bring in <laughs> cornerbacks in the draft, and they're going to pick them all in the second round. You know how this goes. Oh, it's true. Yeah, speaking of moving uh, Nikhil Harry, Jojuan Williams is another name that should probably get uh, mm. an opportunity in a different position because with Gilmore not looking like he's being traded at this point in time, although who knows if he's a draft day move, uh, but I, I think that you have Gilmore, you have Jonathan Jones, and J.C. Jackson's return. You have a very solid top three there. I would still advocate for the return of Jason McCourty to give you a solid top four. But you have Bryant as another good cornerback there. I think Joe John Williams uh, is battling Michael Jackson Jr. for, uh, you know, or, uh, just whatever possible spot remains. And I don't know what that means for him. Again, I think he's just that yearly second round DB that, that Belichick has to sacrifice to whatever God he made a deal with back in early 2000s in exchange for success. He gives the Celtic God, whatever his name is, uh, a second round DB every single year. And so, Joe Juan, thank you. One of the most important pieces of the Patriots dynasty are those, those, those cast-offs that just don't seem to find the fit in the New England system. I agree. Uh, I kind of forgot he even existed. So that, that doesn't really, really bode well for the Patriots secondary. But it should be an interesting month between now and I think uh, April 29th is the actual date uh, of the first round, uh, Thursday the 29th. And I don't think the Patriots are done, but I, I do think they've done probably the bulk of the heavy lifting they're going to do. And the next month or so will be Kind of those not splashy signings, but one of those ones that they're 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 a good fit, they make sense, and maybe returning to the 
the quote unquote kind of old way of Patriots free agency where they kind of sit back and, and see who's available and, and bring guys in. That'll be a really good fit in the system. Now that the big pieces are in place. Yeah, totally, totally. I want to crack myself. Mike Jackson senior. Um, uh, oh, no, that was me. That was me. I was the one that made that mistake. Um, but I agree. I, I think that this was such a necessary off season for the Patriots <laughs> to rebuild out that depth. That was just so apparently not there. Last year, you know, Bill Belichick mentioned it, that they needed to take their lumps uh, just because of how they approached the final years of Tom Brady in New England and how they just, you know, at some point you have to pay the piper. And they decided to do that during the COVID season. Uh, and they were the best team uh, thus far in free agency, in my opinion, from both bringing in top-level talent, bringing in the top two tight ends, bringing in, like, one of the best centers, a, a quality tackle, uh, great players on the edge. Uh, and like, you know, solid depth at wide receiver. The fact that they were able to address all of those issues on multi-year contracts that allows the Patriots to say, all right, well, we're going to be able to compete for the next five years. So long as we're able to hit at quarterback, that's, you know, famous last words, but uh, as, as long as they have Bill Belichick under center uh, and, and like helming the team, uh, I think that Cam Newton will have the opportunity to succeed this year. I agree with that. And I, I find, uh, you know, put my money on the table right now. I, I do think Cam Newton will be the day one starter come September, but I do agree the Patriots are probably going to draft a quarterback and draft him early. But that is a podcast for another day, Rich, with the whole draft breakdown we're going to have to do. And I just hope that I'm right because I personally, and I've been harping on it forever, I think one of the worst things you can do as a team is draft a quarterback in the first or second round and start him day one as a rookie. It just doesn't bode well unless you're a very small selection of players that are able to find success. So hopefully whoever they pick can learn under Cam Newton for a year and start next year. Maybe Jared Stidham, I don't know, but I don't want to get too deep into the weeds with our, our quarterback discussion. That's probably the most int intriguing offseason storyline we're going to have going forward here. Yeah, totally. Well, we'll continue to monitor it, and we'll have all information on patspulpit.com. Uh, there is still a lot of opportunity for the Patriots to make some moves. Um, we will see what happens. Uh, but, Alec, do you have any final thoughts after the initial wave of free agency? I'm glad it's over, Rich. Now I can relax a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, Alec, you have a good one. You too, buddy. See ya. Awesome. Thanks.